0: You have a Bible with you find the book of Psalms Psalms and we're going to be in chapter number 145 <laughs> sounds like a lot of chapters in one book doesn't it Psalms is the is the largest book in the entire Bible um, and it's almost right down the middle of if you have a paper Bible with you you open it right down the middle and you will get really close to the book of Psalms uh, and today as Pastor Gabrielle just kind of mentioned a moment ago today we are in this message series uh, that we just called it future. And we've been talking about the future generation, specifically what does it look like for us to pass on faith to the kids and the teenagers and those who are coming next. And uh, if you haven't been around our church much, as a church we focus heavily and and a lot of attention on three very specific areas, and that is what we call global, global, what we call local, and then the third one is the future generation. We are passionate about reaching the world with the love of Jesus. And we are just a church that is very global in our focus. In fact, the entire month of March, we, we talked about this and we went uh, all over the place in, in this conversation about what is, what is our responsibility as American people to the rest of the world. And we take missions teams and we have teams going to the Dominican Republic and, uh, and Nepal here this fall and different things. And we have, we have partners of River of Life Church in the form of missionaries, about 60 of them right now, that we support financially every month. They're kind of like arms of our church family that are all over the world doing all sorts of different things. We also have um, just a, a massive amount of partners when it comes to translating the scripture in languages that don't have that, and providing water wells next to churches in places that don't have water, and the list goes on and on and on, okay, this is not a sermon about that, but but just, to, we are passionate about global stuff here at River of Life Church. Uh, Okay, but understand is this, as passionate as we are about the global side of being a follower of Christ, we are just as passionate about seeing central Minnesota live for God, which is why we're planting churches and, and, and doing all this type of stuff, and most of our budget goes to that direction, by the way, of the local side of things. Uh, you heard me talk about BB and all this type of stuff, Sox Center, Melrose, Long Prairie, all of this stuff. We partner with schools, and we partner with the police officers. We partner with the city, and we focus on all sorts of local stuff in all sorts of different ways. In the month of September, that's coming up in just a couple months now, Uh, we are going to be focusing our Sunday morning services on the idea of what does it look like for us to be more effective as a church locally, and we have some cool things planned. We have totally revamped uh, what we call our We Love Our City Serve Day. And uh, we're going to be kind of launching that and talking about that as we get closer, just a day where our church family gathers together with people throughout our area to just love on our city and serve and all that type of stuff. Okay, all right, this is not a sermon about that either. This is all, like, turn to your neighbor and say, this is the longest introduction in the history of the world. He should really get going with this. <laughs> You're not going to do that, all right? Uh, but, but today, today is really about the third section here, and, and it's about the future generation. We are passionate about the future generation, kids and teenagers, and that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. I believe today is going to be the last Sunday on that, but I have some things going around in my mind, and we don't be surprised if it comes up again next week, I guess is what I am saying. But listen to me. Passing on faith in God to the future generation is of the utmost importance uh, as a church and as a church family. We are a generation away from River of Life Church being dead and gone, okay? Just understand that. Uh, And we see that in churches happening left and right, passing our faith on to the future generation. And I didn't put together um, a bunch of statistics. It was originally part of what I was going to do, and I kind of moved away that. But just understand the statistics right now are not good And they are decreasing when it comes to children and teenagers who are growing up with a biblical worldview and and graduating high school with serving God on their mind. It has gone significantly down percentage-wise, and it's going down every day, it feels like, okay? This is a massive deal, and if we fail, there is no more River of Life Church in the future. And it's not about us as a church. Don't hear me say that wrong, okay? Okay. But this is a big church issue where we are failing at this as a big church. Okay, so here we go. Future week number three. With that in mind, stand with me all over this place. And we're going to start just by reading a passage of scripture together. Uh, This is Psalms chapter 145. We're going to begin with verse number one. I love this stuff here today. I'm excited about this. So here's what it says. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Verse 4. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Let's pray. God, we we just humble ourselves in this moment and fully admit we have some things to learn and we want to know more. We want to grow. We want to be different. And God, we want to, in this conversation, learn more of what it looks like for us to effectively pass on our faith to the next generation. And I pray that as we look to your very word, that that stuff would just jump off of the page, and that Holy Spirit, you would come and that you would speak to minds and convict us in the stuff that is not okay, encourage us in the places we need that, but show us things, move in our hearts and our lives today. God, use me, I pray, and we pray all of that in your name, Jesus, amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Wow. (laughs) All right, hey, uh, the book of Psalms, fantastic book of the Bible. If you were looking for just a place to jump in and read, the book of Psalms is a beautiful thing, it really is. Uh, It's a bunch of poetry or songs even that have been written is really what it is, and Uh, and each psalm is unique, and when I say each psalm, what I really mean, it's been split up into different chapters for us, so each chapter is a bit unique, written by different people at different times and different situations, and they all kind of don't fit together, but they all kind of do, but they all also stand on their own, and Psalm 145, Psalm 145, which is what we read together a moment ago, was written by a man named David. Who is David? David is king david probably the most famous jewish king in israel's history this is also david who like david and goliath david with the slingshot and wham bam nine foot dude goes down that's who this is when david was a teenager he beat up a giant warrior okay and this is all a part of his story this is him that's david david's amazing Uh, And he, later on in his life, would write tons and tons of stuff. And so uh, a whole bunch of the, the, the Psalms are written by this man named David. And in the first seven verses or so of what we've read, we are given this beautiful picture of one generation passing on their love for God to the next. In fact, this message is built around two observations is really what it is. Uh, And the first observation is that exact point. And so write this down if you're taking notes. Uh, It is a biblical duty for the older generation to see to it that the younger generation hears about the mighty works of God. I'm going to say it again because there's a lot to write down for some of us. It's a biblical duty for the older generation to see to it that the younger generation hears about the mighty works of God. And I don't just pull that from what we read today, even though I think it comes out in that as well. We see this in the scripture uh, multiple, multiple times. There is just this, like, it is God's way. This is how it's supposed to work. The older generation would teach the newer generation how to read, how to trust, how to rejoice, and how to get along with each other, and how to love and pray, and all of that stuff. Just understand this. Every generation is responsible for the faith of the next generation. It's not just left up to, like... For chance, I really hope that, it, okay? This is how it is supposed to work. That's the first observation, and there's only two. And so some of us are like, awesome, this is gonna be super short, okay? The second one's we're taking a little more time on than the first one, okay? Uh, the second observation is this write this down. Passing faith to the next generation is more than just passing information to the next generation. Okay, and what do I mean by that? The goal is not for the next generation just to know all sorts of things about God and to know all sorts of things about the Bible and know all sorts of things about Christian stuff. Like the goal here is that the next generation's heart would explode with love for God. Okay, do you hear the difference? Those are very, very different things than than just talking about head knowledge. Now, let me show you this in Psalm 145. This is what we read a few moments ago. Back to verse number one, I will exalt you My God, the King, I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. He likes forever and ever, doesn't he? Forever and ever and ever and ever. I love that. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Now understand, before David gets to the generation stuff, which really shows itself in verse number four, we get a glance into this man's... In a way, you could say his relationship with God. We get a glimpse of this, uh, like this close, personal, incredible thing, the relationship of God. Okay? In fact, David, David was actually known, one of his nicknames you could say is the man after God's own heart. That's what they used to call him. I exalt you, my King. I praise your name forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Every day I praise you. Great are you, God, and worthy of God's greatness. No one can begin to understand. And like Scripture like this moves me. It challenges me. I mean, because David is, you get this picture, it's, it's like from the very depth of who I am, everything about me, oh God, is you. And it's just incredible stuff. Uh, in other places, he writes things like, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after you, oh God. Another place, he writes, better is one day with you, God, than, than a thousand other places. Than a thousand days elsewhere. And and I read this and it's just like, oh God, help me move in that direction. I I don't want to live this apathetic, complacent version of, of what this God stuff is. This is what it should look like. This is what it's about. Everything I am, everything that I have is open and for you, God. It's beautiful stuff. Beautiful, challenging language. Okay? Uh, And so now, he goes on, and this is where we get to verse number four, and take notice of some of the words he chooses to use here of one generation passing on to the next, okay? Verse four, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will meditate meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. I mean, here's the words, the words we have like in this conversation about one generation to the next. Let's talk about some of the words here. Verse number four, one generation commends your... Okay, your works to another. Let's stop and talk about this one because maybe, maybe it's a weird word. You wouldn't use this word commends in this way. So what's going on here? This word commends, uh, when you look at like a Bible dictionary in it and you look at what the definition of this is, it's just defined this way, to sing praises or to extol the greatness of Is what we have. That's what that word commends mean. In fact, the King James Version, like the the translation of the Bible, first time into English back in 15, whatever, okay, uh, uses the word praise. It actually says this: one generation shall praise your works to another. It's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? One generation praises the works of God to another. What's the point of saying it that way? Okay, well, the point is that the goal. of passing on to the next generation. The goal is praise. The goal is not just to pass on information. The goal is not to just pass on knowledge to the next generation. The goal is not that, that, like, the children in our church family would know a lot about God. Like, An easier way to read this for me would just be like this. One generation, in its praise to God, its exaltation to God, that is going to spill over into the next generation. As we worship and as we praise and as we exalt God, that spills over, with commends to the next generation. Okay, let's look at the... Some of the other words he uses, and we'll move quicker through these because I want to get more to the application stage of the message today. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They don't just teach or talk information. No, no, no. They tell the next generation of God's mighty acts. Like, Like, can I tell you what God has done for me? Can I tell you how he changed me and how he saved me, how he healed my my marriage and touched my heart when I needed that, how I was in the middle of, of a horrible thing, horrible season of my life, and God showed himself to be faithful and true. Can I tell you about that? That's very different than teaching. Can I tell you about that? Verse number five, they speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They speak of the glorious splendor like, like, I'm not sure you know this, but God is so much bigger than you could ever understand to speak of the majesty of God. He put the stars in their place. He knows how many hairs you have on your head and he loves you. You can feel that, can't you? To speak the majesty. Verse number six, they tell of the power of of your awesome works and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. I read this stuff and you know what I think? I think if we did this, if we celebrated, if we told of, of the wonderful works of God, if we praised God in a way that's spilt over, if the generation that is us as adults, if we would do that, oh my goodness. There's no question in my mind that the children and the teenagers would feel that and know that and say, I want that. Come on, all right? But instead of seeing like... Man, I, I had to rewrite this message a couple times because I felt like the original version of this was me kind of the, the the Bible took the form of a baseball bat, and I didn't, and I felt like God said to me, Okay, let's be a little gentler with some of this. But but here, listen to me for a second. Instead of our kids in the American church seeing and hearing that from us and feeling that and knowing that, like they're seeing something more like. Well, they're really not that excited about it, so why should I be? And it doesn't really seem to make a difference in their life. Why would it make a difference for me? They seem to be kind of bored with it, so why shouldn't I be bored with it? Can you feel the difference? And it spills over into the next generation, and we are sitting in, a, in an issue in America where the next, the next generation, I'm telling, telling you, statistically, we are no longer a Christian nation. You can call us a Christian nation, but statistically, we have crossed over the 50% mark, and we are no longer that and you can, blame, you can blame the government, and some of you want to blame the government. You can blame presidents and governors, and some of us want to do that stuff. I, I blame the church people, and I blame the church, and our inability to pass on our faith to the next generation. And I don't mean to kick us in the teeth, but I, like, I feel like I need that today. Come on, let, let's be better at this to pass on this vibrant, life-giving, life-altering faith to the next generation, we need to be certain kinds of people. The kind of people who exalts God in our lives and in our speech and in the things that we do and the places that we go. We don't just teach kids about God, just the head part of it. We teach like real faith, and, and true faith is not just that. It overflows out of the heart, of course truth and bible and all of that is vital to the conversation but that just can be intellectualism as we it's got to move from this to this as we overflow a, a love for god and as and as adults I'm not as adult Christians I'm not sure that we're doing what we need to do in this Now let me just take 23 seconds here 23 anyone got me ready go Okay, and just say this, God is bigger than we could imagine. He does all sorts of amazing things. God can and does take the hearts of children from the most dysfunctional of families and failing churches and can absolutely bring vibrant, incredible faith. That does, that happens, okay? There's no question. In fact, that's some of your story here today. You're like, the generation before passed on diddly. Nothing to me, okay? But, but seriously, that, that can happen. But scripturally, it doesn't seem to be God's ordinary way. That seems to be more God's extraordinary way in this. It's not the way it was commanded to be done, okay? Like, it's commanded one generation would pass this on to the next, now I want to tell you, how, like, three ways that I think we see this happening in Scripture that the generation passes it on, and this, and this is where the church will eventually come into this conversation of what this looks like. Okay, um, so three ways. Write this stuff down. Number one: parents pass faith to their children. Parents pass faith to their children. Okay, we've talked about this the last two weeks, and so we're not. We're going to like go quickly through this. I promise. Uh, let me show you this scripturally. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter six, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. in a way. it's like this is spoken to the adults in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give to you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. And it goes on and on after that after impress them on your children, but're we we're not going like, to hang on that today. Um, it is the primary responsibility, of mom and dad, or just mom or just dad, if that's the situation, but listen, to bring the works of God and a Christian worldview and a passion for Jesus into the lives of their children. It is that is the responsibility biblically of parents, okay? Having your kids be a good hockey player is not priority number one, and it shouldn't be. Teaching your kids how to be good fishermen, not not number one, okay? Some of us could say that's important, and it is sometimes, okay? But understand, if it's priority number one, we're messing this up. Your kids getting good grades in school is not priority number one as a parent. It's important. Have your kids get good grades. Study. Do that stuff. But don't miss this. Priority number one for a Christian parent is to figure out how to pass on their faith to the next generation, And I get worried because in the spot that I sit as a pastor seeing a bazillion people it feels like, what I see is kids taking on the passion for God of their parents. And I I see a whole lot of parents, not to kick you too hard, who aren't passionate about God and and it's transferring to your kids and and I don't want to take too much time on this because Pastor Karsten knocked this topic out of the park last week and uh, talking about creating a culture in your home to create spiritual growth in your children. Watch that thing if you missed it because that has he spent the entire time like practical, incredible, amazing. It was challenging and I left that thing like let's go. I got okay I'm changing some things but listen can I just tell you that our culture is making this difficult for us parents and I don't mean what you think. Some of us are like, yeah, the, the schools and the, they're teaching our kids. What I'm telling you is, let me word it this way. The more toys you have as a family, the harder it is for you to pass on the idea that faith is number one. Because the more toys you have, and when I say toys, I mean boats and cabins and campers, and I'm not anti any of that stuff. I wish I had some, Okay. But, but sincerely here, an ice fish house and whatever else you have, like sincerely think about this with me. When that becomes what your life revolves around, your children take that worldview and you will fight an uphill battle. It, I'm not saying it can't be done, but think about it. The more that you have, the more easy it is for your children to grow up thinking this is what life is about. Okay? Not saying sell your junk, okay? Unless God wants you to do that. But I am saying be aware of it. Number two, and this is not even in my notes. I'm on a little bit of like a tangent here, and so hang with me. I'm sorry. Okay? Number two, parents, like... How do I say this kindly? Uh, I'm just going to go for it. You can email me later, okay? (laughs) We're all right. Some of the teenagers aren't going to like that I say this. Parents, if... If, if, we are, if we are giving our teenagers 24-7 unlimited access to anything that they want on their cell phones and their devices, we're already losing, okay? And again, teenagers are like, you no, know what, no, all my friends, that's what, like, uh, there are study after study after study of the toxic nature of your teenager taking their cell phone to bed with them and what that does to their mental whatever, and what that does, this is not just creating brains that are warped and whatever, it is distracting, it is killing them, and I'm telling you that that sounds like a silly thing, but if if their device time is at that level, okay, we are already fighting an uphill battle when it comes to teaching them what's really important. Teenagers, if you care about serving God with your life, then you need to figure out how to handle your cell phone in a little bit of a different way because it will kill you. It's killing this generation. Social media, okay, whatever else. All right, that was not in my notes. I'm sorry. But let me just ask this question. Parents here today, and then we've got to move on because I'm going long. Um, Parents, what is your attitude towards the things of God? What is your attitude towards the things of God? Because your attitude, your commitment, your priority, how you treat the church, how you talk about church, how you talk about God, like, and talk about the Bible, like, that stuff goes a long way. Your attitude and your passion for God is what will transfer to the next generation. And if you are trying to teach them about God and you are not passionate about it, like, they follow what you do a lot more than what you say. Okay, all right, now we're having fun. Uh, first, the role of the the role of the parents to educate it or to pass on faith to their children and to love God. Number two, this is the second way that we see this in the scripture. The church equips parents to pass faith to their children. Now we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but like it just was on my radar because I saw this up. Okay, that the church equips. The church is equipping parents, and uh, there's a scripture I was going to go to, but I knew that we would run out of time here, but just understand this, it is on my radar right now as we kind of are looking at leading our church family in some different directions and different things. It's on my radar right now to, for us to figure out how to better equip parents in our children's ministry and in our, and in our teenage stuff, that we are equipping parents to figure out how to do this a little bit better, okay? Okay. This is not the church teaching your kids for you. That's not what I'm talking about right here. This is the church helping parents and teaching parents how to do this better. Okay, Okay. not going to spend any more time on this. Number three, and this is where we're going to kind of spend the rest of our time, and we won't be here super long, so we're okay. Number three, the church partners with the parents to pass faith to their children. The church partners to pass faith to their children. Let's build a little case for this and then talk about what this means quickly. Uh, we see this Deuteronomy chapter 31, assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your town so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of his law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God. As long as you live in the land you are crossing, the... okay, this is old old stuff, thousands of years ago actually, but the idea here is all the people who are serving God, gathering together and hearing the word of God, and even the children in that moment being changed and transformed as they hear. Okay? So the picture here, the picture here is really of a gathering where the kids outside of their parents teaching them that it's coming from place, it's coming from someplace else. We partner, the parents and the church, partner. Now that's different than equipping parents. Okay, and that's different than dropping your kids off at church and expecting the church to teach them all the stuff. Okay, it's like I'm gonna bring my kids to hockey camp and you teach them about hockey. I'm gonna bring my kids to math class, you teach them about math. I'm gonna bring my kids to church, you teach them about God. And we just like pawn it off on them. Okay, parents, this has to be, it has to be as a Christian parent, like you actually are number one in this. We partner with you when it comes to the kids and the teenager. We, we're partners on this, okay? Uh, like, understand, you, now speaking to the church family, not parents, you have a part to play in this, in passing faith to the next generation, and you may be here today, and you don't have kids. You are a part of passing faith to the next generation. You may be here today, and your kids are all grown up, You're a part of passing faith to the next generation. Your time is not up. It doesn't work like that. We all have a part to play as Christians and as a church family to pass faith to the next generation. Well, what does that look like? Let me give you a few different things, three things. Write this down, and we're going to go fast through this, and this is where I wanted to get here the whole day. All right? So this is it. Are you still still with me? Okay, it's, wow, that's more than normal. Usually it's like, yeah, we're with you. Okay, three things. What does it look like for us as a church family, individually even, to pass faith to the next generation? Number one, you gotta, we've got to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to pray. I feel like this needs to be an entire sermon. P- please pray for the next generation. We talk about prayer as Christians, like, but we, but we don't do it near as much as we need to. Prayer, prayer biblically like moves the, the very hand and mind of God to do incredible things. Prayer changes people. It changes situations. Pray for your kids, parents. Please, pray for your children. Don't just, don't just miss this. Pray for your kids. But listen, church, family, River of Life Church, pray for the, for the young people. Pray for the next generation. Like, let's stop saying, "I can't believe kids these days." When I was their age, stop saying that. It does no good. Pray for the kids. Pray for the teenagers. I didn't mean that to be offensive. If someone like someone like I don't sound like that, okay. But I, okay, come on, please. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's let's be a church that prays for the spiritual lives of the next generation. Prayer changes things. As parents and as a church family, we must start there got to pray, got to pray, figure out what you need to do to begin to prioritize praying for kids and teenagers, okay, number two, number two, give, give, what do you mean give, okay, we've talked about this before, and the fear of going through this super quick here is that, here we go, another little piece on money, and some people don't like this, but listen to me, listen to me, we, we give all sorts of money to all sorts of things as parents, don't we? Like, you're paying for hockey and basketball and music lessons and financially and all sorts of things that matter to us. But, l- like, let's be people who financially invest in the kingdom of God and in our children, like, in the spiritual growth of the next generation. We do that even through giving, giving to the church. Do you understand? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak, I'm going to say the words that every pastor thinks but never really wants to say because it can sound weird and self-seeking, You understand that the more money that's given to the church, the better we can function and do ministry, right? Okay? It's not about pastors getting rich around here. I flew that kite a long time ago when I became a pastor. Okay? Seriously. Like, just understand. We, like, the more financial support the church has and the only way we get money is through the open hands of the people, the more we can better do stuff and serve, and g- help, and give, and grow, and all this type of stuff. I, our church family, I think, does a fantastic job of giving. We, we have blown things away. It's been incredible what we've been able to do and give, but that's a part of it. But not only giving to the church, uh, we have something here. We don't have time to talk about this very well, but we, we have a part where we, you can give through the church to help kids and teenagers, to send kids to camp, We had people give, send kids to camp in different ways. You know, there's some families that have like lots of kids. (laughs) And it gets expensive. Uh, Someone walked in with a check and it was like, $1,300 for their kids to go to camp, and I was going, holy smokes, can we help you with this, okay, like that's just a reality for some of the families around here, you can, we can give, uh, we call this kingdom builders, and there's a future generation part of building the kingdom of God, where you give through our church to help that type of stuff, you can talk to me more about that, okay, Uh, but I'm passionate about this, and we invest we invest, invest a high percentage of our income personally and my family to build the kingdom of God, whether that's giving to the church or giving through the church. It is something that I am unashamed to talk about because it's the way I live my life. And the future generation is a part of that, and they deserve that from us. They do, okay? Uh, number three, the last one, um, is just serve. And maybe serve isn't the right word here. I really couldn't think of the right word. But what do I mean by that? Teach, volunteer. Help in kids' classes, church-wise, youth group stuff. Become a mentor of a kid. Older parents help younger parents, okay? Whatever the, like the list goes on and on. The bottom line, do something about the faith of the next generation. If you're here today and you are doing nothing about the faith of the next generation, then we are missing it. Let's pray. Let's give. Let's serve, okay? You're not, you're not too old to do this. You haven't grown up and out of this stage of life, it is the responsibility of the church to pass faith on to the next generation. And I'm telling you, there is a battle happening in the next generation. Some of us have no idea what it's like to be a kid in the public school today. You have no idea what it's like to grow up with internet and everything that means in the palm of your hand at any moment. That's the generation that our kids have grown up in. They know nothing else. They're growing up in a culture where, where things are being pushed that our generations and the generations older than me would have never dreamt of happening. And they're right in the middle of this. They're, and it's being, they're being hit with it all day long, every day. The media, the music, things that are now there, if the church, I'm telling you, if the church doesn't stand up and fight for the next generation, it is not going to happen. We are going to fail. And so I get fired up about this. This matters to me. It matters to me, and it should matter to you. Music team, will you please come? One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. We're, we're going to respond today just with a time of singing and prayer. Uh, the music team is going to lead us for just a few moments here together. One generation praises God's works to another. Let's be people who sing and worship and teach and give and celebrate and serve and pass this love of God to the next generation. Will you please stand with me all over this place? I think my fear in coming to a service like this is that I, I can be moved by God to to do something different and walk out the doors and make no change and we're dealing with something here that is of the utmost importance parents what do you need to do different what do you need to change how do you how do you better help your kids understand what is most important what does that look like for you and church family what, what does it look like for us to invest in the next generation to begin to pray please pray please pray but what does it look like and I think my prayer for you is and for us is that we wouldn't just be moved by a talk but that we would be moved to change as we allow the Holy Spirit to to work God, we we just open our hearts to you and Holy Spirit, really, we just allow you to transform things inside of us, but we also understand, God, that there are practical things that we need to change and we need to do and we need to stop doing so that we can prioritize the faith of the next generation. God, I pray that our passion our worship god that we would praise the works of god to the next generation god a a weird thing to say but we pray that it would overflow out of us and into their hearts help us god with this because it's hard and so we just give that to you lord in your name we pray with no one looking around for just a moment of time of privacy and reflection before we're done. Maybe you're here today and you would just simply say, man, Pastor Kyle, I have never, I've never actually responded to the message of Jesus, like all the stuff that you're kind of talking about. Uh, listen, the Bible says we were, like, we were created by this incredible God to be in relationship with our Creator it's how things started and it was the intent from the very beginning yet people from the very beginning have turned their back on this perfect incredible god and we may we've made a mess of this world we've made a mess of our lives and a mess of things and the scripture says there is no one righteous not even one and for all have sinned and fallen short of god's glory and the wages of our sin is death we're painted this picture of like this dire situation because we have walked away from a god who created us and loved us But the story of God is that he stepped into that situation and sent Jesus, his very son, to come and die so that we could be forgiven. This perfect man dies a horrendous death that you and I deserve. And through that, we have the forgiveness of God and we can be brought back to God. But the Bible just like says, man, you... There's a decision that has to be made. You put your faith and your trust in God. You repent of your junk and you turn towards Him. And maybe you're here today and you would say, I have never done that. I've never done that and I want to do that today. This is not about whether you were baptized or whether you go to church, okay? Have you ever truly responded to the message of Jesus? And if you're here today and you'd say, I've never done that and I want to do that today, just show me your hand just show me your hand here quickly. If you are watching this online right now, behind a screen, you can respond to this as well. It's a heart thing between you and God. Anyone at all that would just say, yeah, that's me today. That's me today. Church, let's just pray together. Thank you, thank you, I see that. Let's just pray together, everyone in this place, pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, forgive me of my sins, and change my life. In your name I pray, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate what God is doing today in our hearts and in our lives. Yeah, okay, may you walk out these doors today with a new understanding of what it looks like and your responsibility to the next generation, okay? Come on. Prayer tonight at six o'clock. Love to see you there. Otherwise, thanks for coming today. You are to